Georgie had a lovely time. He hurried from person to person, leaving Mrs Quantock to pick up a few further gleanings. Everyone was there except Lucia, and she, but for the accident of her being further off than Mrs Quantock, would have been first to know. When this tour was finished, Georgie sat to enjoy the warm, comforting glow of envy that surrounded him. Nowadays, the meeting-place at the Green had insensibly transferred itself to just opposite Old Place, and it was extremely interesting to hear Olga practising as she always did in the morning. Interesting though it was, Rysam had at first been a little disappointed about it, for everyone had thought that she would sing Brunhilde's part or Salome's part through every day, or some trifle of that kind. Instead, she would perform an upward scale in gradual crescendo, and on the highest, most magnificent note, would enunciate at the top of her voice, Yawning York. Then, starting soft again, she would descend in crescendo to a superb low note and enunciate, Love's Lilies Lonely. Then, after a dozen repetitions of this, she would start off with full voice and get softer and softer, until she just whispered that York was yawning, and do the same with Love's Lilies. But you never could tell what she might not sing, and some mornings there would be long trills and leapings onto high notes, long notes and leaping onto trills, and occasionally she sang a real song. That was worth waiting for, and Georgie did not hesitate to let drop that she had sung four last night to his accompaniment. And hardly had he repeated that the third time, when she appeared at her window, and before all Rhizome called out, Georgie, with a trill at the end, like a bird shaking its wings, before all Rhizome. So in he went. Had Lucia known that, it would quite have wiped the guilt off Lady Ambermere's being refused admittance. In point of fact, it did wipe the guilt off when, about an hour afterwards, Georgie went to lunch, because he told her. And if there had been any guilt left about anywhere, that would have vanished too, when, in answer to some rather damaging remark she made about poor Daisy's interests in the love affairs of other people's servants, she learned that it was of the love affairs of their superiors that all Rhizome had been talking, for at least an hour by now. Again there was ill-luck about the tableau on Saturday, for in the Brunhilde scene Peppino in his agitation turned the lamp that was to be a sunrise completely out, and Brunhilde had to hail the midnight, or at any rate a very obscure twilight. Georgie, it is true, with wonderful presence of mind, turned on an electric light when he had finished playing, but it was more like a flash of lightning than a slow, wonderful dawn. The tableau were over well before 10.45, and though Lucia, in answer to the usual pressing, said she would see about doing them again, she felt that Mrs. Weston and Colonel Boucher, who made their first public appearance as the happy pair, attracted more than their proper share of attention. The only consolation was that the romps that followed at poor Daisy's were a complete fiasco. It was in vain, too, at supper, that she went from table to table and helped people to lobster, salad and champagne, and had not enough chairs, and generally imitated all that had apparently made Olga's party so supreme a success. But on this occasion the recipe for the dish, and not the dish itself, was served up, and the hunting of the slipper produced no exhilaration in the chase. 